Welcome to Artbox. I'm your host, Jason. And I'm Desta. And today is our first episode, and we came together to come up with a show that will help explore artists in the District of Maryland and Virginia area to help expose the contemporary artists and help tell their stories. Yes, we're all about the audio storytelling for a visual medium, and this is a multi-platform vehicle. So a radio show, our audio show, is just one part of this series. Um, What we really hope to do is not just to highlight these untold and diverse stories from regional artists, but we also want to take you into their studios, take you into their creative process, and really kind of show you from a visual perspective through a short documentary series what they're all about. In this episode, we talked to Teresa Oaxaca. Um, Teresa is an oil painter based in Arlington, Virginia. Um, She had us live in the studio. We had a great conversation. We really talked through her process, um, what makes it unique, her approach to um, monetizing her art and her skills um, and her connection to the DMV area. And we had to do it in July because uh, she was gonna go to uh, Europe, so we had to make sure we sat down with her before she left. So with further ado, let's go to the interview. We're here with Teresa, welcome, Teresa. Hey, nice to have you here. And pleasure to be in your studio. I mean, this is like really a visual feast. Um, You've got, you know, these huge portraits that are just very vivid, you know, and it's clowns and dolls. And it looks like really a mix between kind of like a classical style with like, you know, something very fresh and modern. You've got, you know, people who have like tattoos, but like they look very like, I don't know, Baroque or something. Can you maybe explain a little bit about your art? Tell us a little bit about your work. Sure. Well, I I always wanted to paint in, in some sort of a representational style. So it was important for me to get a lot of uh, basic training when I was younger. So I went to Italy when I was 17 and I stayed there for five years. And then I came back here in 2010 and I've been working and gradually sort of working my way up to doing life-size figures and, and multi-figure compositions. With, with the props that you mentioned. I'm a big collector of, of different kinds of props. So I go through collecting phases and it's taken uh, a few years to accumulate all these things. Yeah, I, I could see that. It, this wouldn't happen overnight with all the all the stuff. I mean, you have a, a very beautiful brush collection. I'm, I'm very envious of that, yeah. by the way. <laughs> and you also have studio lights, which is very nice to see, too, for, yes. you know, for when you are doing stuff. You, you have a model platform. I mean, it's like you definitely have grown into your space, and it's very, it's like a, a room of oddities. I could spend hours just looking at just about everything you have on each shelf. And then when I started looking at your paintings, it's like it's you also go into that world, you know, because it's a window into another world that you're entering. And it's like I said, I could spend hours just looking at now with the the, the clown with the over here with the uh, the Nutcracker, and uh, has uh, striped socks and you know just the wig, a very you know Enlightenment age type of wig going on, and uh, it's very vivid, very beautiful, and it's expression. You know, I can't really tell if. If he's angry, anguished, or yawning, or and his and he has like really bright red lips. Yeah, yeah. not just the lipstick that he's you're wearing lipstick. right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you select these uh, in terms of a symbol system that you've devised for yourself? Does like the uh, the skull mean something to you or to others in general? Or yeah, I like to do a lot of storytelling in the paintings. And and, and for your first question about the colors, um, that that's one of the reasons why I'm very much of a uh, antiques and, and prop and kind of curiosity hunter because I look at the colors and the shapes and then 
sort of create the palette of the pictures that way. So that when I, I set it up like a stage with, with the lights, stage lighting on the platform, and I um, kind of come up with the composition and maybe try to tell a story or have some narrative or symbolism in the painting. So you, you will walk into a, a project or a piece and you'll start composing it there. You don't think about this the night before, day before or anything like that. You just... No, I set it up um, on the spot okay. and I take an hour or maybe two to set it up. But I, I do a lot of collecting. So maybe it's been years in the making to collect enough props to, to make that idea possible. You had to have a, a huge inventory and, and you do. Where did your collecting start? I get some from antique stores. I get them on trips. I, I order them online. Some I make. Um, they're, they're just um, kind of like I'm seeking characters or actors for the painting. So that's whatever I feel like I need, I'll go look for. Like right now, I've just ordered a bunch of new masks for some future paintings sort of like in this, in this style over here with the uh, the pan-like figures, the, yeah. the people with the horns. Do you ever feel like um, you run dry with ideas? Do you get like uh, equivalent to writer's block or anything like that? I, I don't. Um, what usually happens is when you take, you know, it might take a few weeks on a painting or a few days, depending on the size, but that's that's usually, uh, the, the execution time is, is a lot longer than the time it takes to think of an idea. So mm. I'm usually like 10 years behind myself, <laughs> like, you know, where I want to be as yeah. far as making things. So I am always having ideas and, and, and I, I do things like I will go travel around you know, Europe, for example, for like four months and just try to see as many different cities as possible. So I'm always trying to get inspiration and, you know, balance what I do so because you can you can paint anywhere if, if you're a studio painter it doesn't really matter where you are in the world that's true that's true you know so but so but then at the same time you need to go out and have some life experiences because you can just be painting in a bubble if, yeah. if that's not the case so I would say that if you weren't someone who you know went out and traveled a bit you could run out of ideas and run into writer's block or painter's block yeah painter's block yeah i don't know if there's an actual official painter's term block. yeah I'll, that's we'll just a go different with that. term there we go we just started a new term yeah it, it, I'll, I think I'll, it, I'll trademark that it's it's only dangerous to to workaholics but yeah painters <laughs> tend to be workaholics yes, they, they tend to have yeah. an artist they tend to have an obsession for what they do and and that's those are the people who are in danger of a, some kind of creativity block i think or yeah. burnout I, I would wonder though if uh, writer's block is still a problem as we get into the social media age in full swing because so many of us have a hard time focusing and, and sticking with one thing now. It, I would, it'd it's be interesting point. to see what happens to it because yeah. I know it was a big thing just five or 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And for the last couple hundred years, it's been a big thing. Yeah. But I think that maybe we might be reaching an end of that because, because now the problem is focus, not running out of things to do. And which I wanted to bring up also is your etchings, because you had mentioned uh, about uh, the drawing. In terms of your etch work and your, your printing, um, which I'm also another big, huge fan of, is, is um, do you uh, every once in a while just say, you know what, I'm not gonna paint today, I'm just going to do some, some etching, or do you have the idea and then you just start working on it, or? What is your process on that? Um, yeah, I got into to printmaking um, by sort of by invitation. I, I had been uh, copying some paintings at the National Gallery 
and then I was sort of spotted by one of the curators there. Just got to know my work a little bit, and he had a friend who was a printmaker at Georgetown, like a master printmaker, and he was like, you know, your, your drawing style is nice, maybe it would translate well to printmaking. So yeah. I, I, it took me a few years, but I got over there, and then I kind of enjoyed going into the town and uh, working with new materials and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it was something that um, it was kind of just extended to me. And I I was like, well, I want to take this opportunity and learn about more mediums. I like to use art as a vehicle to socialize. You know, it could be running a life drawing group. I've, I've run several in Alexandria and DC. I have, um, you know, when I go into Georgetown, I meet other artists who are participating in this uh, kind of outreach, community outreach program. Yeah. So you could, they have uh, kind of known artists in the area will come and print make. So this isn't just the students in Georgetown, but you do see them as well. Right. So I meet a lot of people that way. And then uh, I meet a lot of people who scarf. So I, I kind of like to do things that just help me socialize and, you know, hang out with other people in the area. Because cause painting can be a little bit um, of a, you know, a little bit isolating. Uh -huh. it, it's, it's not something that everyone knows about, that everyone does. Um, and because of the hours it takes, to do it, you don't get out as much, maybe unless it's a show or, or something like that. Right. So I, I definitely like to go to a lot of shows and I like to sort of, um, you know, find out what where other people are so I can, so, so you know, maybe it would have been a, a sculpture class or a pottery class. You know, I've done those two. Just depends what is available, I like to take advantage of that. So you said you have some classes that you're gonna be teaching in the future? Yeah, I, I um, routinely teach workshops. So I'm not a full-time instructor, but I teach workshops or master classes and they're typically two to five day long classes like a portrait workshop and paint or charcoal figure drawing workshop. So um, I, I teach these around the US, Canada and Europe, but they have ones um, that I do in this place called the Torpedo Factory, oh, yes. the art yeah. school in Old Town, Alexandra. So this is a great school. I, I, I studied there when I was a little kid and when I was a teenager and now I'm there teaching now. Yeah, so it's it's a very nice place. So I'll, I'll have classes um, throughout the year in January, March and June. Oh, mm. so look, something to look forward to in 2019. So I wanted to talk about uh, another uh, thing that you've endeavored in is uh, you have a clothing line. And uh, what inspired you to do that? I was traveling in, in Europe last summer and I was in a hotel for a month, for a week or two. And I was kind of in between teaching workshops. I teach these sort of like three or four day classes, like master classes every once in a while. And so I didn't have a place to paint with oils because I didn't want to ruin the nice hotel room. <laughs> and I didn't have a studio. And, and uh, so I was a little bit of a limbo. So I was thinking about how to be useful. And I, I thought, oh, I can get some paper and, and, and start drawing. And I, I had already made um, leggings. I had been designing leggings. I've been taking some of my paintings and, and putting them on sort of like yoga pants. And Very I cool. thought I'd add a scarf line, like a slightly more fashionable high-end line. So I, I also decided to sort of create the fashion business. And I started to call it House of Oaxaca. And it has, um, it's gonna have a line of scarves with like a new release every month or so with art historical kind of 
philosophical themes, maybe some surrealist imagery on it. And you have a scarf in your lap right now. Is yeah. that from the line? This is the only one so far. Um, I'm working on more. I'll, I'll probably work on them over the summer when I'm not here. Um, when I'm gorgeous. in my studio, I tend to it get- nice, by the way. Thank you. I get, I get really distracted by painting in my studio because that's my first love. So this is sort of my hobby. So I do this <laughs> when I can't paint. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah, yeah, but I like it to be something that can grow and maybe support me for my painting someday. So I thought it'd be fun to, you know, there's a lot of people having, you know, starting up their own businesses online and using social media and all these different platforms. And um, the way you would sell smaller units is completely different than the way you would sell a large painting. Yeah, it um, is a whole different ball With, with paintings, you just, you just make them and you wait for someone to fall in love with them. And then maybe someone can also give the painting a home. And that's something that doesn't happen quite as often. Whereas smaller things, you can reach a larger audience. It's, it's more affordable and you can be more of a businesswoman with it. I wanted to be part of um, sort of some more modern trends and technology. And so I thought, oh, I'm gonna start a fashion company and see how that would work, you know? Just using tools that are kind of almost free and available today. Yeah, yeah. No, so I, mean, I thought that'd be really exciting to just experiment. It looks like too much fun not to participate. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah and, get your feet wet. Yeah. Yeah, and, and also it's it's refreshing that you're not just doing t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I won't do t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Are these one of a kind? Are they going to be like one of a kind? No, but they'll or? be in a series. Um, yeah. Probably they'll be capped at some number, some limited edition number, but they'll be collectible. They'll be so fun. they are going to be collectible. Mm -hmm. mm. They'll share things in common, like probably the border. Um, right. This border kind of inspired this frame here. So oh, it's good. Wow. They're kind of making me do better paintings. So it's like a, a cost reading is of a sense. It's like yeah. one idea is fueling another idea, which is fueling another idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that when it happens. It's, like, it's like almost like a domino effect where it's just mm -hmm. one thing just clicks and it just creates another ideas and little explosions can be happening and happening. Yeah. And this is a, a different kind of medium. The drawing is a little flatter. Yet you can't really see from uh, just this view, but it's it doesn't have the same depth that oil painting has that's not really right. the point it's, yeah. it's more of a, a symbolic drawing so i can be um, a lot more creative in the scarves there's there's sort of less at stake you know when i work on them mm -hmm. yeah no, I, I hear you. they're yeah. fresh and yeah. it, it's kind of like doodling almost so it's, it's a good place to come up with ideas for paintings later, I would say. I, I also just really love drawing and I, I love uh, paper media, but yeah. paper and, and canvases, you know, they're very um, fragile. You have to put them behind glass and, and hang them on the wall. And, and so I wanted to create something functional that you could scrunch up or fold up or, or gift somebody or, right. or ship. And, you know, something that is a little less precious, but can become precious. So. No, that, that makes sense, yeah, because like you said, you got to be careful. You can't have the, you know, you can't have uh, painting, paintings in direct sunlight or even, you know, uh, certain drawings in direct sunlight. But Yeah, you don't want to put your hand over a charcoal. Right, yeah, <laughs> especially <laughs> charcoal, yeah. Yeah, but you can do that with these. So, so it's a wearable it's sketch nice. pad, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, like I, yeah. I also like, you know, I take public transportation a lot, so it's, it's nice to kind of like look at something, maybe if you're stuck on the metro and it's not working <laughs> yeah. and then you're like i want to do some some more amazing drawings with like you know maybe like a tower of babel with like hundreds of figures from 
kind of like Hieronymus Bosch type yeah. monster figures. And you could really spend hours trying to understand it and almost like a Where's Waldo kind of illustration. So, something that just kind of provokes thought. It's kind of interesting. Oh, I like if you're that. Bored idea. Or cool. Provokes yeah. conversation with your friends, maybe. And strangers, if you're stuck and on strangers. Metro. For, yeah, at least strangers. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's like a wearable art. What are some challenges you feel like you've had to overcome um, in establishing yourself as an artist, um, specifically in this community in the DC area? DC is a great place in that you know you're already in a big city. And you have a lot of transient population, so people come and go. So if you're selling work classes, you're going to have people, you know, you won't just oversaturate the market. It's going to continually change. But this can also be a problem because you might meet with some indifference. You might meet with a hard time just establishing yourself in general, maybe. So you have to be a bit proactive in, in getting yourself out there and having shows often. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's it, but yeah, it is a city. So I mean, it's if, if you're in a city, you're you're instantly in front of people in mm -hmm. metropolitan region. So that's really good for artists. Maybe maybe the hard thing is sustaining themselves financially, or or just a sense of like you know I have a job or this is this is what I'm doing. But but then again, I think a lot of artists tend to be workaholics, so they wouldn't be doing what they were doing unless they. We're gonna do it anyway. It's not yeah. like they had another choice, <laughs> so that's not a problem yeah, then no. for artists. So, yeah. so then it's just a matter of, of problem solving and trying to figure out your niche um, in the place you live. So, so you need to figure out what is the best way to exhibit your work. You know, what's the best way to like? Do you like teaching? Do you just want to sell your pictures? Maybe you want to make make a living some other way. Portrait commissions. There's there's a lot of things you can do. Um, these are this is what I do. These are the most traditional methods. Um, I've, I've actually never done uh, much illustration. I mean, I once did an album cover for uh, an indie pop band, but but I mean, I, I don't uh, really go into like illustration or anything like that. But there's just so much. I mean, I, I know people who have worked in uh, pop-up galleries and okay. different kinds of spaces like that. I, yeah. You just have to figure out what, what you're good at. I'm and comfortable with, yeah. Yeah, I, I I definitely do a lot of work outside of the DC region. I actually, okay. you know, I, like I said, I travel a lot, so I'll do shows and commissions, and and I'll sell work to people in different countries, often. So so it's uh, I try to think of having a, more of a diversified approach, so you're not just relying on one source. Yeah, or one For market or not just one area. your your income, but your inspiration or yeah. your your enthusiasm or your validation. You need to be doing a couple of different things. That's, that's probably the like a tripod approach or something. Or, Interesting that you know. said like you you know sell your work outside of the area, and a lot of your focus is kind of like it's it's outward mm -hmm. um, in that regard. Um, a lot of people don't think of DC as like an art town, mm -hmm. and yet there are quite. A few artists like, you know, living and, and working in the DMV area, DC, Maryland, Virginia area. And I'm all, I've always been curious as to like, where do you make your money? Like, how do you sustain yourself? Like, is the bulk of, you know, how you monetize your art or make your living focused, you know, in this area? Or is that something, you I, know, I think it might outside? well be the bulk is in this area because whenever you have a, a brick and mortar thing, you know, yeah. or wood or whatever, stone, you you're basically you're there you can talk to people 
they can come see you and that's very important to have a face-to-face interaction. So so I, I do sell the majority of my work in this area and then I sell probably like the other 40% internationally. Yeah. Which, which I think makes sense because you're going to be at your strongest in your hometown perhaps. Mm-hmm. That hometown happens to be a metropolitan region. I mean, and the other thing with selling paintings, it's like I said, you, you kind of have to throw the business or the marketing stuff out the window. It doesn't work like that. You know, it's not Starbucks or anything where you can figure it out. You just have to make work and then present it. And then it might not even be the most perfect presentation, you know, because you're spending all your time making the work. Yeah. 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 So, but but whatever you do make a show or a presentation, you know, people will find it and, and maybe see the passion you have for it and fall in love with it. And um, you just, you know, you just need a few people who really strongly believe in you. And so, so that's probably um, a good advice for for painters, you know, who just want to make paintings and and sell paintings, is to just try to put all their energy into making their work really strong. Right. Yeah. And making it strong. And like you said, uh, the best put forward or a good presentation. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's all about the portfolio. I've, I mean, I've heard um, people say like they spent 80% of their time marketing and 20% of their time in a studio. And I would say no. Yeah, I've heard that too. 90% yeah. of the time has to be in the studio and, and 10% of the time can be marketing. Mm-hmm. And then that's, that's, you know, that's probably why you're not going to be the best marketer, but you're going to have the best work and that's, that's what you want. And that- let the marketing people be marketing people. Yeah. But do you feel that the uh, Sasonian museums, uh, do you think they uh, overshadow or recast a lot of uh, the local uh, galleries and or artists? I don't think so. I think the Smithsonian museums are mostly focused on, you know, dead artists, you know, previous centuries or international a really big, big artist. Just think that there's just probably not a lot of money to support artists in terms of grants. Or I think I think affordable space is a big problem in the DMV area. Oh yeah, um, I've heard various reasons. I mean, obviously it's the capital, so the rents are just really high. And artists need space because they have physical things they have to move around. You know, so that's a problem. So there's just not a lot of warehouses and things. It's like a lot of painters, if they get a space, it's a cubicle or a prison, yeah. which isn't very yeah, inspiring. No. Yeah, so most, most people paint their houses or something like that. And of course you have to have a house to do that. So that's that's kind of prohibitive, you yeah. know, um, for maybe like younger people or, or people who just do art. Uh, so yeah, I mean, probably finding some sort of patron or my approach would just be try to make all your money through art itself, commissions, selling art, just working you know all the time which yeah. is what mm-hmm. you want to do when you're an artist and so then you don't need to ask for money from anyone uh it would be nice i mean to have a, a grant or something um I, I know that there were more of those in the past you know there were uh, more mural projects like public art i'd like to see more public art being made mm. that would be really nice yeah like powwow yeah. Um, is a good example of that. Yeah, they're also fighting for more public art and murals. I, I think it'd just be better for the community and yeah. for everyone. You know, I, I don't think that uh, we have enough of it and that would create work for artists as well. well so so that would be the answer, people. I would say. Yeah. yeah, it would enrich people. Yeah. And um, so I would like to see more of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I concur on that. Mm. Me too. Statues, murals, paintings and doors, you know, make the schools look nice public facilities, make make it all look beautiful. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it's why not? 
you know, and, and it helps enriches the lives and gets people to think. So yeah, that's the best way to help artists is just give them more work, and they want yeah. work, and then make them work for the community. Yeah. So yeah. that would be the perfect example. I would I would say. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us, Teresa. You can find out more about her work by visiting her website. That's TeresaOaxaca.com. That's Teresa, T-E-R-E-S-A-O-A-X-A-C-A.com. You can also find her on Instagram and Twitter at the same handle, at Teresa Oaxaca. You can see photos of Teresa's art and behind-the-scenes photos and videos on our website at www.artbox-productions.com. And we're also on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, we're ArtboxProd, and on Twitter, we're ArtBox underscore Prod. And once again, thank you for listening. <laughs>